1: and your life to the next level. Today, I'd like to welcome my guest, Himant Varshney. And let me tell you a little bit about Himant. He is a top producing senior executive with 14 plus years of expertise leading various teams into strategic business planning, digital marketing, product development and innovation to record breaking revenue and growth profits with large-size Fortune 500 companies to hyper-growth startups, renowned as a high-energy and resilient thought leader with strong acumen for a product and marketing role at the executive level, capable of steering organizations through challenging sales and operations objectives that focus in leadership and team building, client relationship management, data analog, and, analog, analytics, I could say that, yes, budgeting and PL, key market identification, product development, and so much more. I thought our theme today will be growth, marketing, and advertising. So please welcome my guest, Himant Varshney.
2: Excited to be on with you today.
1: Himant, so happy to have you here. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and what you do?
2: I work with a lot of venture-backed startups. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a lot of them are e-commerce. They can be, you know, SaaS, uh, SaaS-based businesses, um, and also what we specialize in doing is running uh, marketing and acquisition programs for mm-hmm. uh, a number of different businesses. We we do also work with some local businesses where we've helped them increase orders. Um, or patients or clients for lawyers, right? So, um, any information that you think can help your
1: listeners? Okay. So, uh, and my audience is is wide and varied at times, um, yeah. but most most of the folks that I try to focus on are women entrepreneurs or or women that are in the corporate environment trying to get, um, into leadership and, um, to grow, uh, you know, make a difference, grow their business. And so, yeah. what I, what I try to do is connect them with other resources that can help. Obviously, um, marketing is a huge piece, especially for the entrepreneurs that, you know, they, they know their product, they know their service, but they don't know how to market it in most cases. And, and so how are they going to do that in the best way to, to be able to do that? Where I come in and help is obviously helping them try to be better communicating what they are trying to sell or market, um, to have more engaging presence in anything that they're doing, whether it's online like this or in person, In uh, to be able to connect whether one-on-one or with large groups. Um, but, you know, th- there's just a lot of, I-, I think, still confusion as to what to do. And the market keeps changing. Yep. You know, as we come out of COVID, everything is is continually changing at even a faster pace than before we went into COVID. So, um, you know, how how are you helping those startups to navigate what's the best thing to do to, to get some traction. And then once you've got traction, you know, that next level that you go to. Yep. To, to be able to get those leads that you have into clients. And, you know, that's where a lot of us struggle.
2: Yeah. uh, Happy to chat through, you know, some strategies we've used. Um, Also, in terms of, you know, my career path, uh, mm-hmm. the majority of my leaders, uh, like, you know, senior level leaders, um, execs, uh, like COO have predominantly been women, um, which has been fantastic. Um, yeah. so, you know, I think even like connecting on that level, like there's a different level of nurture that occurs with women leaders than, you know, when working mm-hmm. for a male leader. And, mm-hmm. uh, and just like the empathy and understanding in a lot of different topics so it's just uh it's it's pretty incredible
1: yeah that's one of i have several courses and one of the courses is leading with your heart your head and your hands and it's really to kind of emphasize that the the way that i learned how to lead in the 80s <laughs> let's just start in the 80s, um, it was always a male person who was really teaching me what to do or or the person. I had some great female mentors, but they were not in the uh, senior level management. So, you know, the people that were supposedly teaching you how to be at that advanced level in leadership were all men. And and then I worked for most of my years for a transportation company where it was tough men, <laughs> you know, and my style of leading as I was getting into leadership and had people working for me, I was just going by what I thought was right. And it was always, you know, in those evaluations, well, you know, you, 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 you can't be friends with these people. You can't, you know, the, you know, just have them do their job and you're too sweet or too tough, you're not, you're not tough on them. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was 50 that all of a sudden it was like, you know what? Um, I think I can do this better. And yeah. it made a huge difference. You, you you, know, you start to look back on the successes that you had and what was what were some of the things that occurred during those successes? Yep. And, and it was the people that I found out about their families and, you know, and what their needs were and helped that. And then once I was able to help them, then they were willing to do more for me. Yeah. So empathy is huge, I think, especially now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I agree. I think like a lot of my, leadership style. I know there are folks that don't like to blend personal life and work life. For me, it's like all in one and one in all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, understanding someone's background and like, like you mentioned, right, like what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, those tough days, you can be a better leader and a better colleague and a better friend by just understanding. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And, and that really comes into play. I'm sure that as you were working with women in those senior positions, you have, I think you would have to have dealt with a lot of self-doubt, so, uh, sabotage, and, and questioning, you know, am I good enough for this? Because we're our worst critics oftentimes. Yep. So, you know, what are some stories about that? (laughs) Oh, I mean, I
2: think, you know, uh, something that was that I had to kind of figure out earlier in my career was like, I was always the youngest person
0: Mm. um,
2: wherever I went. So it's like, uh, and I'm not saying this in a boastful way. It's like, know when i got down to wall street um i was 22 23 i was in a manager role um learning to lead folks that were older than me so the self-doubt part was like earlier on it's like they know more than i do like in like in life in general like how do i be a good leader you know what are the right things to do and over time uh it was just hey if uh no, if I take care of of my team, and it took me a few years to figure this out. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Uh you know, uh, if I take care of my team, I understand what's going on, I can, you know, help them better. And if it's, I don't know, if it's like a family emergency or hey, I haven't had proper time off because somebody has been, you know, uh like burning both ends of the candle, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, listen, take take time off. Like, you know, it's uh yeah, those are those are a couple things. But like uh to sell to answer self-sabotage, I don't know how to answer that one fully, but not being fully sure of yourself. And then the more, you know, as you get older and have more experience, the more and more you go about doing work and understanding certain workflows and like how things what the calculated risk is, you eventually start to build more and more trust in yourself, right? And it becomes yeah less of a, hey, is this a right thing? Or it's like, oh, this was not the right decision. What did I learn from it? <laughs> Let me turn around and go fix this, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: I, think, I think that is really a good point because oftentimes, uh, you know, we, when we're younger and I was like you, I was uh, young whenever I uh, got into management because I didn't go to college till I was in my um, late 40s. And so I always had people that I I thought were older and smarter than me and the imposter syndrome came about quite often. But then I think whenever I started to realize that I didn't need to be perfect um, and I also learned more from whenever I did screw up (laughs) than I did whenever I had somebody tell me what to do and I appreciated (laughs) Um, the learning lesson that I had i I wonder oftentimes if if people still are not realizing that as you grow as a leader, you're going to be challenged more and more, and how you react to failure will really determine how successful you will be
2: yeah i I agree yeah. i yeah.
1: So how do you coach your folks on um, getting over a failure? Uh, It it
2: depends, right? Is it like technical? Is it an emotional thing, (laughs) right? If it's like a technical uh, kind of uh, challenge that they're facing, then it's what about the technical challenge? Is it, is it you're not understanding the base principle, then it's like, okay, well, here are the base principles. Or um, if something is, you know, for example, we do a lot of reporting and pulling data. um, And there are times where it might be taking a team member, say the average time to do a report is 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and it's taking a team member an hour and 15 minutes. Right. So then the question becomes, Hey, like, understanding that this is taking you some time uh, more than what it should typically take you when we're past the part of like, you know, this is uh, your newer and, and whatnot. So walk me through your process of how you're pulling this information, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And in those instances, it can be like, hey, I they're not using a formula in Excel, because they didn't know it existed. So yeah. it's like,
0: Oh, that is
1: okay. so
2: true. Yeah. As soon as you like figure that out. And you know, even in those uh in, in in those conversations, it's like, hey, I'm gonna sit with you and just go through this to see your process. And the goal of this is not to be over your shoulder, it's to like identify what is like slowing you down and give you, you know, feedback or strategies on like how you can work through those um challenges and uh, I would say nine out of 10 times or nine and a half out of 10 times. It's like, oh, very positive, right? It's like, oh, okay, cool. I'm getting stuck here. But it's really, they're not getting stuck there. They're getting stuck somewhere else. And is it the understanding or is this just something you're not equipped with? And you get to the root problem of one of those two things, you can easily solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's emotional, then it's just understanding where the person is, right? There's There's a lot more, happening in a person's life outside of the you know five to eight to nine hours whatever it is where we're working there's things happening with family friends maybe you're looking forward to a trip whatever that is so
1: mm-hmm. yeah and I think whenever you were talking about that excel and sharing how to do something I I think it's really pivotal how, if you're the leader, if you're the manager supervisor and somebody comes up to you and you see that they're struggling. And as you said, you sit beside them and share what you know. And I think in my career, in my (laughs) time, I've had bosses that wanted you to only come with solutions and, you know, don't come in with problems. And for the folks that I managed, I encourage them that if you have a problem, let's talk it out. I'm not going to yeah. give you the answer, but if I have something that will shortcut to help you do better, yeah, then it's in the long run, it's going to help all of us. Yeah. So, you know, be that teacher so that the student can become the expert. Yes. And rather than have them frustrated, and and then that attitude, that frustration will kind of impact their job performance. And now you could have had a person that would become a superstar, but you've made them a problem child that you have to put on a PIP, you know, a performance improvement plan. Yep. And, um, and so I think as a leader, you need to remember that. Yep. And, And, uh, you know, and, and I think as you're coaching or working with women that are trying to grow in the field, oftentimes we don't want to say, well, we don't know how to do something because we don't want it to appear <laughs> that we don't know how to do something. We want to be that person that can be uh, competing with those male um, counterparts. And, you know, we weren't shared a lot of that information of how to do stuff. So Ask. And, yep. and hopefully the person you ask is uh, got a, a servant mind and mindset to help you.
2: Yeah. And I, I think uh, in like, you know, just kind of adding on to that, mm-hmm. like, uh, a rule I like to use with the team is, hey, if you're trying to figure something out, it should take you 15, 20 minutes to yeah. figure it out. There's all these resources. If you still can't, you got to ask. Because it's not uh it's not helpful for you or if you're working with another team member or mm-hmm. a client um you know that you're if you're running behind and there's no uh kind of solve so if you're like i always encourage people hey spend the 15 minutes trying to figure something out if you can't figure it out ask the question um and that i think is helpful in the sense because it's uh, it might be, you know, how do I do X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. And I've done it one time and I've watched someone do it. Or uh, I've never been so involved in it. And if you've never really been so involved in it, just ask right away. Mm-hmm. But if this is something that's like a common task that you're working through, um, then it's, hey, quick Google answer. will probably do 90% of the work. And it's like, oh, you took the time to figure this out and maybe learn a couple other things. Um and if you're still hitting a roadblock, again, 15 minutes, 20 minutes tops, it's like, uh, you know, the the timer of like, oh, I'm trying to figure this out. This is just not possible.
1: Hey, can you help me out with this? Here's where I'm getting stuck. And mm-hmm. yeah. And sometimes the beauty of this media, the recording, I know whenever I started doing podcasts the person who did everything to get me set up, there were a few things that I was going to need to do to post. Yep. And rather than him having me email him every two months, <laughs> how was that the, I was supposed to do this. He made a training video yep. and I referred to that video every time I posted for probably four months until it became that I could hear his voice even today (laughs) as I'm posting, I can hear his voice telling me exactly what to do. And it is hilarious. He is in my mind. And so don't discount the fact that, you know, that little bit of time that you take with your people, that you could actually record it, and then have them always be able to refer back to that and not come to ask you all the time so that, you know, they can not um, be a repeat (laughs) offender, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when when it comes to um, the SaaS business, always, when the first time ever heard that, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, what is changing in the world today with SaaS?
2: Oh man. Okay. So, you know, SaaS continuity businesses, mm-hmm. subscription businesses, uh, even product businesses that are subscription. So think of a bark box. You get like, you know, the box every month um, mm-hmm. of uh, dog toys. So, you know, anything in kind of this realm, there's like the subscription ac- aspect, right? It's um, how do you acquire new customers? And once you have the customers, it's how do you retain them? Um, they are new mediums to uh bring on new you know new customers there's new channels and avenues to mm-hmm. acquire customers folks are on tiktok they're on be real you have youtube you have you know facebook instagram google um but then once you have the customers uh what's very important is how do you increase stick how do you keep them mm-hmm. as long as possible right and how do you service them as best as possible and um and each business has its own challenge, right? But Mm -hmm. um, I think the first part of all of it is customer service, ensuring you have top-notch customer service and that your team is reliable and you're able to get back to the client or the customer if something's broken or not working. Um, A lot, you know, if you're able to just have a conversation with someone and understand their pain point and then You know, look to fix it. Sometimes you're not the person that can fix it. You're part of a CX team that um, you raise a ticket to like help resolve, but like being in that constant communication, you know, I think, I think helps. And sometimes, especially through the pandemic, out of the pandemic, all of these market changes are occurring and team members are changing. Yeah. And so figuring a way to keep that level of service is very important, um, especially as you're onboarding new partners uh, or new team members. And you know, and some team members are getting offboarded. So I think that is, you know, one area that is continuously changing. The next part is uh what it what does your data analytics look like for your business? Um, mm-hmm. And what is the feedback loop you've created? Like, for example, if people are leaving, right, and they're unsubscribing, why? Um, we should know that. Is it because of price? Is it because uh the technology? Is it because they don't they just don't need the service? Is it you know, ask ask your clients the question? Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and oftentimes you will find that. There might be new innovations in, in that can be created in your technology or your business when you understand the offboarding. So I think um an example for me was it's not so much offboarding, it's a it's a client we didn't partner with because we didn't offer a service.
1: Oh.
2: And um, you know, and this was like a few years ago, and they needed more creative services as in creative development. And <laughs> I was thinking in my head at the time, I was like, wow, like, you know, like, I I hear you. Up until this point, all of our clients have given us the creative. Um, And so within two to three months, started building out of, like, literally the week after started building out a creative team, but within three months, like, uh, you know, after that conversation, I was like, I'm never going to have a client that's going to say, Hey, we can't, we love, we love everything you offer. You don't offer this one thing that we need. That's, you know, creative. Um, and, and you can charge. for <laughs> We can charge for that. We actually don't even like add on costs. Mm-hmm. It's because it's so crucial to what we do. And for a lot of the partners, it's like, Hey, how do you run this Facebook ad? How do I make ads? How do I do, you know? And it's like, no, we'll do it for you. Like, yeah. you know, um, and we need, what we need from you are the images, uh, or the videos you've taken and we'll turn them into all different types of ads. And, um, and that was a feedback loop, right? It was like, Hey, why I asked the question, Hey, why, you know, what about, um, us or what did we not have or, uh, kind of satisfy, uh, or inform you of that made you, you know, pick a different partner than us. And, uh, Lauren, uh, who was the client, replied back, she's like, loved everything about you guys, but we need a lot of creative capabilities and that's something you don't currently offer. Mm. I was like, and ever since then, we've, you know, we do video, uh, GIFs, statics, uh, across all of these different ad platforms. Mm. Um and, and that, in turn, helped us grow and attract and find other partners that need similar services and the paid media services we offer, but don't want to spend an arm and a leg hiring, you know, four, five, six different people.
1: Yeah, that's true. Very true. Did you get Lauren back?
2: Oh, uh, no, we didn't get Lauren <laughs> back. Yes. But, uh-huh. but we did win a lot of other business.
1: Well, that's good. So yeah. that's it. It's a nice segue into sales acquisition so what whenever you you were talking just a few minutes ago about the um, feedback and, and whatnot and I know in um, a lot of times the startups especially you think well I just need to I get the lead and, yep. and then I have this on my list but I never go back to my list and and they forget about the the follow-up and and the the, the amount of touches that you have to have with that person to take them from a cold lead to a warm lead and then thank them for whenever they buy something from you and all that. Yeah. So what do you have automation in, um, what you offer for your folks to, to have that, or is that something that, that, um, you just kind of train your people as startups, how to do all that.
2: Okay. So, uh, two different ways to kind of go about it uh one is from like a digicom perspective what we're doing right um a lot of our outbound is not about driving sales it's not hey wanna jump on call with you you know um because we can help do x y and z mm-hmm. um and the reason why is because people are inundated with the uh, you know uh your thoughts on company x or why company x right and um i get these emails all the time i've tried it it doesn't work for us i'm not saying it doesn't work it works mm-hmm. for other businesses um what we try to do is nurture folks in the sense of we have uh, a growth marketing podcast where we talk about growth marketing topics mm-hmm. tests we're running internally at the agency um So we, you know, we send that out. We send out newsletters where we have a content writer um, on staff uh, who's one of the main primary duties is to write about new topics in marketing on a daily basis. Mm. Um, And what our strategy is, we take all of this information. Uh, A lot of the folks we're, you know, looking to work with, they're either heads of marketing, they are founders that have you know some understanding of marketing and so we're pushing all this information to them um and then we have our own ad campaigns that run that retarget users with more content Mm -hmm. so it's a much larger awareness play for us where then inbound naturally starts to happen for us um and people Start to reach out, and they're like, "Oh, hey, like you know, we've read some of your your work, and mm-hmm. you know, would love to just learn what you guys do." Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been a better strategy for us because it's cutting through a lot of the clutter. It's creating awareness. It's uh, educating uh, the partners we're looking to work with. Um, and in the long run, uh, I I think. Well, I I from us, I know that's been way more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, than hey, we are Digicom, we offer this, we want to do X, right? It's uh it's getting good content out there that the folks that the content is geared towards can use as like in and, and practice daily. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, if it's um if it's a client like a SaaS platform e-commerce, right? Um, there are a lot of automations that are set up and we help set up. So for example, abandoned cart emails, right? So you go to a site, you add something to the cart, you check in, um, and you're about to put in the credit card, but you choose not to for whatever reason. Shipping cost is like the product's 10 bucks, shipping's 12. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not paying $22, right? Um, and so for those partners uh and other partners, it's The text automation, the email series, five, like four step series where it's email one, you know, come back, you left this in your cart, email two, here's a small discount. Email three here's a bigger discount. Email four, final offer, take (laughs) it or leave it, right? And those automations help sell products. Um, And I think they, you know, overall, they work really well. And especially if you know how the conversion series works, it's usually two, three, four emails. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'll just add stuff to cart and wait for these emails and then get the
1: coupon code and then plug they them in. They just know the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. And I do like the nurturing piece that um, for me, I know that that's, that works better for um, my purposes. I, I think that you have that trust factor that starts to be come um, in there and, and also you can kind of feel out whether or not that this, this is someone or a, a group that you want to work with. Yes. Um, you know, and because we bombarded, I probably get 500 emails a day. Um, yeah. Just constantly asking for something or inviting to a course or training. And, and, you know, I know mine with, will be in amongst 500 for everyone else. So it is, um, I think, important to, to try to build that and, and uh, on all the social media. It, it, it still, it surprises me. There are a so, uh, lot of folks that um, still are not doing anything more than one or two social medias. And, yep. and uh, I, I, obviously you need to know your audience where that audience might be. Maybe LinkedIn is better. But I always looked at social media as, you know, um, you know, have Twitter take you to your website or have the Facebook take you to your website or or LinkedIn and kind of just hit them wherever you can, because you you never know when that where that person might be coming from. Right.
2: Yeah. And uh, for any, you know, business owners that are listening, it's it's set them all up. It's free. And yeah. there are tools um, that are out there where if you share on one platform, it automatically shares across all your platforms. Yeah. So you you know, if you love Instagram, you love to be the one sharing on Instagram. You created your content calendar. You can log into a platform like Metricool. I think it's like $15 a month. It'll share it with Facebook, Twitter. I think TikTok, LinkedIn, like in a number of other places. Um, and you only have to do it share it once, right? Your content's available and, um, you know, just, just like you said, you never know who's looking or how the algorithm changes. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. your content starts to appear
1: and, uh, you just, you, you want to be ready. So algorithm is a good segue too. So I created that content. I I put it out there once, but I never go back and comment or do likes or. I think um, the heart, the love is actually higher in the algorithm now. So what a, what advice do you have for people on that um, to get into that? It, do they need to hire a VA to do that or is it always better to in person do stuff like that? Uh,
2: you know, it's funny because I was talking to my team member earlier today or yesterday. Maybe it was it was yesterday. And uh, there are a few clients where we're running ads and we're seeing a lot of engagement because of their experiences. Um, and there's some sort of nostalgia because these are properties that families have visited, had a good vacation, you know, drank wine, had this like enjoyable event. And so like that content really engages I what I you know, my my hypothesis was like, it's nostalgic, people felt good, like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's and the content is speaking directly to the audience. So I think what's very important is that your content, if if you are a chef, let's just say, and you, you know, like to cook a specific type of uh, food, um, and your content might speak to a lot of people, it's food, sure. But if your content speaking directly to foodies or folks that like that type of cuisine and you know, you'll get engagement because you're creating content. The algorithm will figure out who to serve it to if there's a focus on the content. Mm-hmm. But if your content's always generic, hey, I'm you know having a great day. This is what's going on. Um, maybe your audience, like the algorithm might just not know who to serve that content too. And then there are also other items that are in your technical settings of each ad platform. Uh, Some of them can include adding in keywords. Some of them include, you know, share with other folks that have viewed similar content. Like uh, that part, once you, I I would say like, once you have like 15, 20 posts, 15, 20, uh, you know, videos, whatever it is like out there, uh, then start looking into each platform and how you find the nuances so that mm-hmm. your content get, can get amplified and turn those on. Now there's content that can be shared and your future content will start to get shared more and more and more. Um, and the reason why I say, you know, 15, 20 posts, if you don't have anything is because if you have no content and you yeah. start sharing and someone lands on your page, there's a lot less social validation of, hey, let me follow like whatever it is than if there is some existing content.
1: For sure. So what are some of the mistakes that people make as startups?
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah.
1: Well, we have a half (laughs) an hour. Okay, I think...
2: I think every business owner, whether it's a you know, startup or you have uh, a business that's like growing rapidly and you know you're past the initial startup stage, uh, it's very important to understand your cash flow. Yeah. That's very, 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 very important. And you know, if you have a partner and you're like, oh, my partner understands like the money and I trust them, it's not a thing about trust. You know, it's very important for you to just understand cash flow. Um, you might invoice, you know, you might have 10 clients invoice uh, all 10 of them, and everybody's paying at different times, and because contracts are set up in a specific way, or um, and your expenses each month are your expenses each month. So if you're getting paid late on certain things and your expenses are increasing. You know, you're 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 going to be in negative cash flow at at some point, and then you're thinking, oh, how do I, how do I pay myself or an employee or how do I do X, Y, and Z? So like, uh, something I do uh, with with my team is I talk to them very openly about cash flow. Like, hey, here's we where we are in the business. Here's where we need to be. If we catch up on cash flow, here, like you know, this is where we are here's what we can do with and invest back into the business. If for some reason it's elongated, we might not be able to hire the next person or the next two mm-hmm. people. Um, and I, you know, just, uh, I just, I'm always having this open conversation about what's going on. Uh, and I think the level of transparency has been pretty like good in the sense of people know what's going on and that's mm-hmm. it just, you know, some information in. There are leaders out there that it's like, oh, if you're not in this part of the organization, there's no need for you to know. Um, for me, it's like once a month, it's an open book. Here are all the things we're doing. Here's what we've invested in. Here's our revenue. Here's what we're projected at. Here's you know where we need to be. Here's how we hit that rate, growth rate. Or we are trending behind team. What else can we do? And innovation
1: comes out of that. Yeah. I know that the, the teams that I was on whenever the leaders would share that information, that the kind of need to know information that, that they were shared. And then they shared it with us that weren't in the need to know, (laughs) it made the team so much stronger, so much better because now you were feeling like you were part of the mission and part of the vision and, um, you had buy-in so i i think that that's a great way to to lead so we talked about mistakes but what opportunities do they sometimes miss
2: opportunities missed Uh, okay i think as leaders uh we have a million things going on if you're (laughs) the ceo of a business and it's scaling you are thinking about accounting you're thinking about like hr you're thinking about the technical things that are going on in your business you're thinking about how do we service our clients better think about getting new business um there are all of these different things happening across your business right and uh i think that if you have a really good team member that is a you're able to uh that's able to roll up their sleeves and help you and take on some of the things you might not be great at but they compliment you mm-hmm. um you know it's okay to let go of some of those uh and ultimately if you're trying to you know if you're if you're trying to grow into this larger business you're going to have to do that and build process and trust your team so that's an opportunity uh and i think with a lot of family businesses or or smaller you know businesses that's not built into the way of thinking uh and you know my like my father had a, his own business so it's 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 a different way of thinking that's one the second part is taking care of your people that's very important like you know there's a there are huge opportunities there in the sense of is the person in the role in the right role asking that question if they're not what are they really good at um and you know that's that's just very very important uh the next part uh of it is are they burning out yeah. Are they not, you know, and just uh, like we were talking in the beginning, where they are, and what I like to do with my team, so I meet with everybody on the team once a month, and then you know their managers meet with everybody weekly. Um, But then when we do the reviews, uh, every six months when you get to a review you, nothing should be a surprise unless you're getting promoted or it's like really fantastic. It shouldn't be a surprise.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: And, you know, it's just, uh, it's important. All of those, uh, all of those things are very, very important for, and opportunities because you can find team members and help them grow and uh, develop their skill sets and make them happy. And that will grow your business. And that is the biggest opportunity. And then after you've taken care of your team members, take care of your clients, like find the middle ground, you know, if, um, If you're not delivering for a specific reason, find a way to like compensate the client or like do something for them for the next order or whatever it is that, mm-hmm. you know, that all of that is very important and helps build a good culture and a good business um, where it's more than just dollars in and dollars out.
1: Yeah, kind of makes me think of um, a couple things. When when you were talking about uh, delighting the customer and in a recent uh, business masterclass I went to, they talked about the customer is not always right. (laughs) And sometimes you can really deflate or anger at sometimes your team members because they are to tell the customer they're right when they know they're not. Um, it's, it's a thin line, I guess, that you work on, but sometimes you have to be confident enough in your business to know that you don't have to hire or bring on every person that you come across that yeah. if they're not the right customer for your business. They could hurt your business more than help it.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um, or even, If you're working with a partner, we were working with a partner, great, great partner overall, like the business and the leader, Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, they kept turning our ads on and off and on and off. Um, and when I say they did that, like they, you know, asked us to turn things on, turn off. So performance was amazing. They needed to hire a sales staff. They couldn't handle the volume we were getting, then people you know uh resigned or moved on to another role and and there was times that they needed to backfill and so when talking to the the partner it was like the first time it happened it's like hey we don't typically just pause all of our work Mm -hmm. but you know understand where you are we'll do it this time we can't do it in the future um and it happened again in the future um And so then, you know, we had to go back to the client we're like, listen, you're a great partner, but the challenge is that our resourcing costs on the account um, and not being able to leverage team members on other projects because they're waiting for this. It's, you know, it's a, we're, we're actually losing money on this. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not just saying that it's literally the account figures here. They are um, unless you can continuously run uh, you know, we, we unfortunately do have to pause. And so um the client was like, Hey, listen, like when we're just a little bit bigger, will you still work with us? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, and I hope you understand where we're coming from. And he's yeah. just like, yes, absolutely. Because I'm in the same spot, but on the other side of it, you know, so, um, but having that open conversation, I would say nine mm-hmm. out of 10 times, if you're, you know, you're being honest and like looking out for The best interest and we recommended what the client should do like hey listen like maybe you're not ready for you know a full service agency but Mm -hmm. a consultant uh that understands advertising in like this capacity or Mm -hmm. even in a lower capacity can get you to that next place and you can turn on and off because like the consultant doesn't have the same overhead as as you know uh yeah for sure yeah
1: Yeah. And startups, a lot of times, you know, even Facebook ads are really not necessary for a startup that's just get getting going. I mean, it, they really need to get to, um, to a certain level, I guess, till they really start to see that they get a return on their investment of the, the ads. Yeah. So the other thing you were talking about your team and, and, For me, I always think that personal development of your team members is really so very important. And to me, that's almost like an added benefit to my salary is how, you know, how much time and effort are afforded for me to grow as a, as a leader, as a speaker, as a trainer, whatever my role is in that company Um, and. I was so fortunate in most of the, the beginning times of my career where that was was part of my salary package, my compensation package. And then I found in the last maybe 10 years, the first thing to go in budget was that. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I offer the training that I do, because where else are people going to get it? So how are um when you come into a situation where team members are have great knowledge but their way of communicating is not it's holding them back from really succeeding
2: so i am i went through that challenge myself (laughs) very much myself like the, the way of communicating is very important it's most of the times it's not what you're saying to someone it's how you're saying it Mm. um and you know when I was around like 25 26 I was really having a hard time because it's like you should have uh like I forgot like the exact feedback I got but it's like the work you're you and your team are producing great uh but the team needs like a better way of feedback, and it's like what do what do you mean better way of getting <laughs> feedback? Like, I don't like I could not comprehend what that meant because it's like, hey, I'm checking in with the team, I'm making sure they're good. i'm you know yeah. i'm everything is with like thoughtful intent, but um but the issue was it's like the way I was requesting stuff sounded more like a demand, (laughs) than, hey, uh, I need to provide them the context and the information and then motivate them to, uh, you know, help on the project or, uh, you know, um, work on the project as well. And providing the context and understanding that, it took me a little while, you know. And so, similarly, I think when I'm seeing right now a lot of the management training. And this is something I was having a chat with our CEO. It's like, we need to do that for the team. Like once a week management training where it's a third party. It's very important. It's so very important because one, you know, my, my eyes and ears and feedback can only go so, so far. Um, and Two, for us to continue to cultivate and build, you know, as we've been building up our management layer, how to speak, how to provide information. If you're going through X, Y, and Z, like those scenarios, here's how, you know, you can talk with a team member and provide that feedback. And it's important, um, very candidly, haven't done enough of it, need to start doing it (laughs) with the team.
1: uh, You made such a great point earlier about um, how you say it. And, uh, you know, I, one of my uh, URLs I own is it's just a conversation.net.com.org. And the reason I bought that is because people forget and, and the digital world has maybe done us some, some uh, pushback, I guess, but the tone that you use when you're a leader is really important. Yes, The way that you connect with a person, you can say and motivate a person, but if you scream at them or if you demand and you don't give them some information to help them understand why that is a demand, as you were talking earlier, like if you need your sales team to really do more and you explain to them, this is the budget, this is the the expenses that we have. And, and what you do is so important to helping us, then they'll want to do more, but it is all about that tone. And I, I worked with a group of a healthcare group and I did three days where I came in and they were all high performing team members and they had to do a capstone, which yeah. um, was, for them to, you know, have whatever product or service that they were going to improve upon. And they had to sell it to the team of upper management. And so I came in and I worked with them for three days on their talk, their pitch or whatever you want to call it, to help them be able to reach the person not only from the statistics and the stat and, and the content, but really emotionally. To yes. be able to connect with why that project should be taken over, you know, the other 10 or 15 of them. And it was impactful because you saw the people change each day that I was there to get more comfortable, to be more confident and to do a better pitch. And it, you know, it's not rocket science that we teach, but it's things that we forget until you hear it done a different way. Yeah. So, yeah, it, personal development in the office is huge, huge. Yeah. Good I, to hear. I,
2: yes. Uh, I was fortunate, you know, as I was kind of uh, learning, I'm still always learning, right? But um, <laughs> um, I had uh, a gentleman named by the, like, uh, his name was Ed Lynch, and he had personal uh, coaching Classes. He was uh part of the you know business, he's the CEO of the business at the moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: a lot of what uh in and this is a past business, not Digicom, um, but he would take an hour a week and go through these scenarios and personal development training courses with the team, and nice. he, you know it, it it really helped in. I that that's something you know. Any leader out there with a growing team, especially if your team is younger, mm-hmm. um, it's important because there are things when we are younger that we might excel at, and other things that we're trying to learn and figure out. And it also goes, you know, for um, you know, if if people are in their thirties and they're coming into their management and in in their forties, like there's still skill sets you need to you need to learn. But I think it's imperative if like your team is mid twenties, there's a lot of things that will, you know, uh, that you're learning very quickly and, Mm -hmm. uh, and that you don't know. And so that is
1: very helpful. And, and sometimes it's unlearning. Yeah. The bad things (laughs) that, that will make an impact. Well, We were, are almost finished with this, (laughs) but so if you had three takeaways that you'd like to share with the audience, what would those be? Sure. Uh, continue to
2: learn. Um, you know, you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Those. Uh, it's important when you do make those mistakes, what did you learn from them? If you can walk away with answering that question, cool, pivot fast and keep going. <laughs> um, take care of your team. That's very important. Uh, and then something that I'm going to do, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, take time to build in, especially if you're getting to a place where you're 20 plus people, um, take time and figure out a way to implement a kind of management, you know, training course. Um, and I know, Vicky, you offer this. Um, so would love to just chat with you.
1: About yeah, that. So definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you just gave some great tips. And um, just again, remind everybody your website.
2: Yeah. So uh, digicom.io and we specialize in growth and acquisition marketing. So our goal is to acquire customers for you through Facebook, Google, you know, Instagram, um, profitably.
1: Awesome. And the typical size of a company that you would want to work with?
2: Sure. Uh, the majority of the businesses we're working with are spending $80,000 of media a month. Um, 80000 to $300,000 is uh, the typical client size.
1: Awesome. Okay, so those of you that aren't making that yet, just take the tips that he gave you and <laughs> practice and uh, don't lose his uh, website. <laughs> Again, give that website one more time. Digicom.io. Awesome. All right. As I always say, life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Netling signing off.
0: Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Netling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself.